Hello and welcome to the Wagtails podcast. My name is Megan Corcoran and I'm the director of the Wagtail Institute. In this podcast, I invite some pretty cool people to come and have a conversation with me on all things trauma, healing, education and well-being. I started this podcast as I realised some of the biggest learning that has happened in my career has been through meeting really great people that are working in the field and having great conversations with them. In this episode, I'm joined by the zestful Roz Rhymes and her Labradoodle, Rafa. We talk all things animal-assisted therapy and well-being, what that looks like in out-of-home care spaces and schools, and we also talk about the benefits of savouring. We hope you enjoy this episode. So I'm into the third episode of the Wagtails and I'm very excited to have Roz Rhymes with us and we also have the first dog in the Wagtails studio. We have Rafa here today as well. So welcome Roz and Rafa. Thank you so much Megan, it's a delight to be here. Great to have you both. Um, so I like to open with the um, same question for each guest Roz and that is who exactly is Roz Rhymes? How would you describe yourself? Good question. Well, Rose Rhymes is funny, evidence would suggest. Um, I'm a human being rather than a human doing. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I'm a friend, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a Labradoodle Wrangler. (laughs) I like that as well. I'm I'm an educator and it's a privilege to be a, a well-being educator and in fact canine assisted or I like to say playfully canine enriched well-being educator and um, I was lucky enough to study um, did a master's of education and I did a master's of applied positive psychology and I that's I know you through that Megan and and it was actually volunteering with my other labradoodle flash at the Royal Melbourne Hospital in mental health and we'd go in and prior to get going into the mental health ward, we'd go and get our organic coffee, as you do, on the way in or out. And it would be the surgeons or the paramedics or the nurses who would stop me and say, can I pat your dog? Mm. And I realised they didn't need a therapy dog. They needed a well-being boost. So I was doing the capstone of the Masters of Applied Psych at the time. And so I flipped the dog from a therapy dog to a well-being dog and started a social enterprise called Live With Zest, which is like a call to action. I love that. Um, and it's interesting because I was thinking back to when we first met mm. and I actually met you through Flash, you and Flash yes. doing work with some of the students I used to work with as well. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that was how we first connected, I remember, and then we realised we had the masters in common as well. Nice. Um, so can you tell us how you got into animal therapy and well-being dogs now sure. as well? So how did you sort of start that journey? Sure. Well, way back um, when we bought Flash from the breeder in New South Wales, um, she was a wonderful American woman, very invested in the whole process. We got quite a thick manual to come with Flash. And she suggested volunteering and pet therapy. So I, we started with the Delta Therapy Dog Program. And we had a wonderful, wonderful mentor and who's still a friend today. She's um, now retired. She was a social worker at um, Melbourne, Royal Melbourne Hospital Rehab. And it was such a great joy, and it was kind of counterintuitive, but I was working full-time, studying, newly married, <laughs> teenage boys, and I would go and volunteer. Yep. And it actually filled my well-being bucket. 
And it was probably healthier than uh, retail therapy or, <laughs> <laughs> or, or other things. Yeah. But um, I still had cake afterwards. But um, so, so that was an interesting entry point. But, but I will always remember a really mind-blowing experience. One day we went to visit and there was a lady who'd had a stroke. And unbeknown to me, she was non-verbal. And her mother was visiting with her. And Flash and I, a chocolate Labrador, we walked into the ward and he looked into her eyes and she looked into his and she started to mouth a few words. Oh, wow. Her mother started to cry. I started to cry. I knew I was a volunteer and shouldn't cry, but this was so moving, so moving. And I still feel very emotional today when I think about it. The social worker had never seen anything like it. And I thought, you know what? If this is possible, this is the work we must do. This is the work I want to do. Mm. And and I realised, and, and I've become a bit of a geek in this space because I've done a lot of courses in animal-assisted therapy, animal-assisted play therapy, La Trobe University, animal-assisted therapy for allied health professionals. The dogs, and it's dogs more than any other Animals, sorry, cat people. I know. I put my cat, <laughs> I my cat out of the room so that Rafa could come in. Cats are still good. But dogs, <laughs> dogs are particularly potent in this space. Why? Mm. Because of their very special noses. They can smell cortisol. Their faces can read our facial expressions, our body language, follow cues, and can interact in the moment and give us immediate biofeedback. So it's Mm. really, really special. And even more, and this is some of Melanie Jones' work at um, Lead the Way, she talks about the oxytocin effect. So that's patting the dogs for between 5 and 24 minutes. Your cortisol's coming down, your heart rate's coming down, your your oxytocin is increasing, and your dopamine is increasing. This is called the oxytocin effect. It's not just between parent and child. It's between dog and owner or Mm. dog and friend. This is where we have the teachable moments because there's a lot of psychological safety. People feel relaxed, and they can actually learn. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember there was a day um, at the last school that I worked at where I was supporting a young person who was very distressed. Mm. Um, He had struggled to go into the classroom that morning. I'd gotten a call from the teacher to come and help. Um, And he stormed out of the classroom. And I was sort of following him around the schoolyard at a distance because I could tell that he didn't want anyone near him. He was very triggered. Mm. Anytime I got a little bit close, he was actually trying to throw things at me. (laughs) Um, So I just kept, kept the distance and wanted to watch to make sure he stayed safe. But really lucky, in that moment, mm. our school therapy dog and the, the um, owner came around the corner, not knowing mm. that he was struggling right. in that moment, and he absolutely just melted. Like, yes. he stopped what he was doing. It's mm. like he forgot how stressed he was, yeah. and he just sat on the ground with the dog, and they mm. lied there together, and he was just patting the dog for a few minutes. Yeah. Eventually, I was then able to walk over and sit next to both of them, yeah. and we could unpack why he was so stressed mm. that morning. Mm. I mean, he ended up telling me all about grandma being in hospital yes. and grandma was the carer. Mm. Um, and it all just made so much sense. But yes. I just looked at this dog and I thought, wow. Like, yeah. So it's really good to hear what the science behind all of that is. So it's almost like that cortisol would have dropped for him, yeah. allowing us to then eventually connect and talk. Absolutely. Mm. And a lot of my work is informed by um, Bessel van der Kolk. Mm. I don't know whether you know. Huge fan. Flash, our chocolate lab- labradoodle. 
rang his bell on stage at Melbourne <laughs> Exhibition Centre. I've got photos to prove it for Bessel. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and well, all work is also informed by Brian, uh, Bruce Perry, who's yep. a big supporter and proponent of therapy dogs. Um, I've remained very close to the University of Melbourne, Melbourne Graduate School of Education and their wellbeing literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm across, the, across the sanctuary model. Yep. In fact, the out-of-home care... Um, not-for-profit organisation I work for. We use the sanctuary model a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of um, debriefing that goes on and a lot of supportive work that enables me to do the work which I do with them, which is as an um, education specialist in out-of-home care. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? So with, the, um, with you and Flash or you and Rafa, what do you do when you go into these spaces? Sure, sure. Okay, so, so in an ideal world... The dog helps us to go from good to great. Mm. And what I've learned through animal-assisted play therapy particularly is we really need to advocate for the dog and the dog's safety. And we work with the dog. Even the language is very subtle. Like we don't use the dog. We work with the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. On Friday, I arrived at a school and one young person was having a particularly stressful day. The school had gone into lockdown because of him. Um, two weeks before, we'd had a very in-depth session because he'd been very angry the day before he'd identified that he didn't want to go to school because he was very angry and he might have hit someone. And I congratulated him on knowing that and acknowledging that. Yep. So fast forward two weeks on Friday, school's in lockdown. He told his teacher to F off on Monday. He told the school principal to F off and called her an a-hole on Tuesday. <laughs> and I know this happens because kids are feeling very stressed. Absolutely. And I can see my own growth because in the past I would have felt particularly stressed, but I was able to say, well, what's likely to happen? Will he tell me to F off? And, and they said no. And even if he had, I said I had my big girl pants on and <laughs> I can deal with that. Yeah. But because we had established that re- relational side of things with Rafa and he feels very safe with Rafa blonde labradoodle who looks like a teddy bear with a heartbeat (laughs) he he really was very calm and we've also had discussions about anger and sadness and anger and grief are very much linked Mm -hmm. and he was able to feel safe enough to say to me I've had a very sad life and I said I know Mm. I believe you and the good thing is now that you're you're at a really good school and we can support you to experience the whole range of emotions, positive and negative. Mm. And he got it. He was so engaged. And and one of the things, one of the pathways into that discussion was, and it was very real and current for me, is our chocolate labradoodle flash is still running in the park, but he's 13 mm. and he needed to have cataract surgery. And I said to this young person that part of my role is to work through my dog is getting older, he's semi-retired, and at some point he will pass. And I had a tear in my eye, and I know that by him seeing that I was human, that I experienced emotions, Mm. and that led him to revealing and disclosing that my life has been sad too. Mm. And I think I was prepared to go deep 
and that enabled him to feel feelings that he wouldn't normally wouldn't want to go there. And it was a very, very helpful session. Otherwise, it's just patting the dog. You feel good in the moment, but then the session finishes and you really haven't processed anything. Mm, yeah, hugely powerful. I think you created a lot of relational safety there for him I as well. I think so. I yeah, think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Flash is quite a special what dog, a actually, because I, I first, uh, you didn't have Rafa when I first met you, you Correct. just had Flash. Um, but I've actually got a memory where I'm not even sure if you're aware of the power of what happened with Flash with mm. some of my students. Mm. Um, but we actually, when you were coming to our school back then, we actually had two girls who were both about 15, 16. I mean, they were in a huge conflict at mm. the time. So they used to be the best of friends. And then we had a few weeks of them absolutely, like, struggling to be in the same room as each other sometimes it was almost unsafe mm. um, we were almost looking at ways we could support them with school where they didn't couldn't be in the same spaces at mm. the same time um, it was quite a stressful period of time for both of them and it was really sad to see because they'd been such good friends mm. and then something had happened where they'd had a big falling out <gasps> anyway they both really wanted to be in your session with flash mm. um, i was terribly nervous and i didn't want to tell you and freak you out beforehand <laughs> and i thought i'll manage thanks, this if something happens <laughs> um, but they managed to sort of sit through the session with both of you but they stayed back as you were packing mm. things up they both stayed back mm. and they were both patting flash at the same wow. time and then they were talking about dogs and then they somehow just started talking to each other without even yeah, realizing. Yeah, yeah. So they were both patting him. We could and, call that a social loop. Oh, it was, I reckon, it was yeah. crazy to see. Like, because yeah. I was going, oh gosh, they've both stayed mm. back. Something might mm. happen. Yes. But here they were. They just naturally were yes. both just so engaged with Flash that they Shopping didn't even realize they'd talked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then after mm. that, the relationship started to rebuild. So mm. it was a really powerful moment for me to observe. Wonderful. Just to see the power of having that dog in the space yeah. as well. And there have been so many powerful moments. And it's such mm. a privilege. I feel like I'm in my Goldilocks career, seriously, because I've done lots of other things. And sometimes I'm sitting on the carpet. And I think if I was 20, I'm a little bit older than that. If I was 20, I would be thinking there might be all these other things that I could be doing. But I sit there, I can say I'm in my 50s and I think there's no place I'd rather be. How powerful is this? I can see in the child or the young person's face, I can see in their body language, I can see in their energy levels and I think how lucky am I to be able to do this job. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'd like to say is a lot of well-intentioned people think, oh, I've got a friendly dog at home, I'll bring it to work. And I say, <laughs> yeah. please, please do not. For yep. the dog's well-being, for everyone else's well-being, it takes an enormous amount of training. Mm. It takes an enormous amount of training on the part of the owner or handler. And you re we really need to look after the dog's well-being. Yeah. Because it's it's these dogs have longevity and Flash has been able to do what he's doing and still do it at Melbourne Uni with the student Living Village students because I've really looked after their well-being mm. and and I really want to underline that it's so important so important yeah for sure so how many hours per week do they well, do they get to contribute to this space yes, each <laughs> yes well actually very few these mm. particular dogs because I do different things yeah so Rafa would be about five only yeah you know and Flash might be one or two, one yeah and you know what, I, I'm able to do that because I work in and across several organisations and I'm doing other things as well. Yeah. So that's why it can be tricky for someone in a school mm. um, to to work with a dog. 
But, um, you know, there's a lot of humour as well. And I, I want... Can I share an example with you? Oh, I would love an example. Yeah, sure. So we we go to both schools and the resi care setting and we do quite a bit of public speaking. Like we spoke at the Flory Institute in November and that was thrilling because they're all about neuroscience and the brain. And for us to show them under the hood or behind the curtain, if mm. you like, what we do and get their input and feedback was wonderful, wonderful. And Flash and Rafa sang for them, which they loved. And I also asked my husband to come along because I knew it was high stakes. You don't get asked to the Flory Institute every day. And I knew that I wanted the dogs to be grounded. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to do a shout out to my husband because I couldn't do what I do without his support. Yeah. And... Um, I had asked him a few months before, and the week before I said, you know, we've got that, you know, the Flory Institute next week. And he said, oh, I can't do that. I've got a conference. I said, no, 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 you promised. He said, you didn't put it in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so he swapped out of his suit and got into his live with zest vest. <laughs> and it worked like a dream. The dogs were so grounded. It was wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. But back to my example of the young person in a school and I knew they were heightened. They'd been bullied that morning. They were sitting on the carpet on the ground and I wanted to sit next to them facing the same direction so we could do some co-regulation. Mm -hmm. yep. Unfortunately, I didn't have my glasses on. I sat on Rafa's water bowl and oh. next, thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know, I've wet my pants. <laughs> and the funny extroverted side of me would normally say, oh, I've wet my pants. But then I realised this poor young person is a bedwetter. And I'm thinking, it's not a good idea to raise that. <laughs> anyway, so I stuffed the blanket down the back of my jeans and then sat on the rest of it. And then at the end of the session, I kind of did the old school, wrap my raincoat around my waist so I could slide past a reception without being noticed. <laughs> oh, the things we do so sometimes in education. You, you do. You feel like the swan on the water, you know, ped paddling madly underneath. <laughs> but, you know, we got there in the end. Yeah, I'm sure the young person actually would have loved to have known that you sat in a water bowl at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might have been. Sometimes that can be good co-regulation where we yeah. just divert them, distract yeah. them, have a laugh with them anyway. So. Absolutely. And, and another... Another one, which is true, you know, we work with, uh, we've been doing cooking and I, I was so pleased I used my courage to ask Nigella Lawson a question on Friday night. She was in Melbourne at Hamer Hall and in front of 2,000 people, Megan, I thought, I want to ask her a question. I'm a little bit of a Nigella fan, dressed <laughs> up as a her for my 50th birthday with a, with a lot of engineering. Did you tell her that when with, you asked the question? No, no. I needed a lot of engineering, let's put it that way, for, to dress as her for my 50th. And I sang for the first time in public. I was channeling her savoir-faire, I think. <laughs> anyway, so I asked her a question. I said, thank you for bringing us the joy of eating. I said, I use your videos in teaching young people living with complex trauma to help nurture their love of cooking and eating. I said, do you ask, do you have any tips or advice? And she was wholeheartedly interested, enthusiastic, encouraging, and she said, give them autonomy. Let them choose what they want to cook, even if it isn't healthy. Mm. And it was such a joy to have her wholehearted 
response and, and genuine interest. So I'm even more of a Nigella Lawson fan. How's that? Yeah, that's cool. And that's amazing advice too because we mm. know when young people have experienced trauma, yes. often they've had very little control or yes. choice. So, mm. yeah, to empower, that's a really strong thing. Yeah. Over time, maybe they'll learn more about healthy cooking, but yes. let's face it, how many teenagers really want to cook healthy yeah. anyway? Yeah, and I yeah. said to her how I use her videos because they're colourful, they're literate, they're, you know, they're, she's playful and even yesterday at a out of home care we were drawing flowers from my garden and using limes from the tree to make guacamole and we were listening to Nigella deciding what we're going to cook next. Awesome. Her express video. Awesome. Um, I'm also aware that Rafa's named after someone special too. I was just Ooh. looking at Rafa and just thinking about, because yes. you're talking about, you know, some big names. Mm. Um, yeah, where did Rafa's name come well, from? Rafa is named after Rafael Nadal. I have a... <laughs> I, I enjoy watching Rafa play and his accent. And this Rafa is fit and focused. He loves to chase a ball. And it's, I'm glad you brought that up because my <laughs> other dog... I was going to say Flash has a special name Flash too. is yeah. named after Dwayne Waite. And another thing that my practice is informed by is my, my darling husband is a basketball coach yep. and coaches A grade in his spare time. And our son plays for Melbourne Uni. In fact, he's the captain of the top team. And he's also six foot four and that helps. And so a lot of my coaching practice is... A lot of what I do is a, has a coaching side to it. In fact, I am lucky enough to have developed a coaching practice called Walk, Talk and Savor. So walking in nature with the dog, yep. talking to a coach and using the practice of savouring. Mm. Do you think your listeners are across the practice of savouring? No, I feel like we should unpack savouring a little yeah, bit yeah. because obviously we both have the Masters in Positive Psychology. Yeah. People have probably heard the term, but they're probably yeah. not aware of how powerful it is. Yeah. And I know you know a lot about the science behind savouring. Yeah. Well, I came to it, believe it or not, through, am I allowed to say wine? I stay <laughs> Talk about wine. <laughs> we have no rules on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Well, I was fortunate enough to study, well, long story short, hotel management. Then I did a degree in ag business wine marketing at Roseworthy. I was lucky enough to work overseas for Moet and Chandon and Domaine Chandon in California and then Chaputier in France, and that was my former career. But what I learned from that is how to savour, how to savour wine, but then when I was studying applied positive psychology, and I love food, I'm a big food lover, and happily I've learnt to eat with a small plate and a small spoon so it lasts longer, because let's face it, we spend enough time cooking it, we may as well enjoy it. Um, okay, so interestingly, when I was doing the Masters of Applied Positive Psychology, I came across the practice of savouring, and there's a seminal text by Veroff and Bryant, I think it's 2006. Anyway, so mindfulness, we know, according to John Kabat-Zinn, is being more aware in the present moment, non-judgmentally, more aware of the positive and the negative. Mm -hmm. In my experience and my personal opinion is, mindfulness is terrific, I practice it. However, if you've experienced trauma or you're in a classroom, you're a student and you've experienced trauma and you're more aware of that, and you're not supported in that, which sometimes happens mm. because resources are stretched, it's not going to take you to a good place. Yep. In fact, you could get triggered, and it's good to have support. And I know in um, Melbourne, in, at Cabrini, in oncology, where they ha are talking about um, 
you know, cancer and people are more aware of their cancer diagnosis, they have a second person, a psychologist, moving around the room, mm-hmm. which makes good sense to me. Yeah. So I was excited to learn that the practice of savouring is a thing. And what is different is it's um, still being realistic. For example, I can see there's a scratch on my R.M. Williams boots and as I sit in front of you wearing my Akubra because I like to rock the R.M. Williams <laughs> look, a bit of a tragic because it's very authentic and very Australian. Um, I choose to focus on what lights me up and brings me positive emotions. So I'm looking at the sparkle in your eyes, your big smile, the sound of your voice, and all and the weight and the warmth and the heartbeat of Rafa sitting in my lap. And that just really elevates my mood and, and I'm really luxuriating and reveling in all of that. Mm-hmm. It's also temporal, which I think is a game changer. For example, I enjoyed my Melbourne coffee this morning. I'm enjoying speaking with you right now, and I'm looking forward to my singing lesson tonight and having dinner with a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So if I was feeling bored doing the ironing or who knows what, I rarely feel bored, believe it or not, I could fast forward or look ahead to wow, I'm going to be looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or dare I say, when I was when I was doing 5,000-word essays, I would look forward to my graduation party that I was, ex- that I was designing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going to savour even a future moment is yes. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and savouring for children and young people can be as simple as enjoying an ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, it's age-appropriate. You know, it doesn't have to be about wine. Can I say that? Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate. <laughs> I don't know that we'd have any under 18 listeners here, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of people that wouldn't drink, and I'm sure they, they yes. notice they can probably save us through eating chocolate yes. or having good company the or, yeah, sunshine, planning a good event. Sunshine on your face. And yep. also, if I may say, and this is very real, and I don't think I'm Robinson Crusoe here or Pat Malone or the only one, may I say, um, looking ahead at family functions... Sometimes there might be a tricky family there and I have a family member there and I have actively used the process of savouring to dial up every other element of that family function. We're Mm. talking aromas, flavours, music, flowers, service staff, other people and dialing down, I don't know, I think that's still called savouring, but putting like on a black and white TV in the corner, dialing down the volume on the person who might be sometimes aggressive or might have been abusive in the past, and it's been a game-changer for me. Mm. I'm far less... I will admit to being anxious. I think I speak for a lot of people. I used to be anxious leading up to these events, Mm. anxious at the event, and take time to come down. Mm. And because I know that I have the practice of savouring in my toolkit, absolute game-changer. I'm still impacted but not nearly as much. Yeah, that's such a powerful example there. Really great tip. Yeah, because I think we could all probably relate to getting anxious about something that we don't necessarily want to do or someone difficult we have to stay connected to. Yes. Um, And that can really take over an experience. But what you've highlighted here is that we can actually shift that. 
Mm. Um, the experience is still there. That yes. person or that mm. event still has to happen. Yeah. But there's so many positives we can ampl- amplify. And, and I can yeah. enjoy it a lot more. And the other thing is you might not always have a plush toy labradoodle sitting mm. in your lap, but you could, you could even, you know, experiment cut out a piece of plush toy material, stick it into your pocket, you know, as well as wriggling in your wriggling your toes, you just go to your senses. Mm. You know, if you're an adult, you might not choose to have a fidget toy, but you might have something else that works for you. Yeah. A soft scarf, not in a trauma environment, but in a in a home environment, a soft scarf, cashmere, wool, thing tactile things that really give you that is that uge how do you say it yeah. <laughs> is that, that the um, i could is spell that Swedish it Swedish word is, H- it? A- is it h-y-e-g-g-e or something yeah 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 um so i know you've got um rafa here as well so with yeah. the savoring element with the dogs how does that sort of play out for people yeah too? yeah good question okay so we can use every part of our senses for example um you know the soft touch the warmth I can see him with my eyes. I can see him at rest. That's very soothing Mm -hmm. because some children might be a bit afraid of dogs and they can participate in any level. You could show them a picture of the dog before you introduce them to a dog. We also know that often parents Mm -hmm. can be afraid of dogs, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean their children need to be afraid. And I know a little bit about intergenerational um, fear and we can demonstrate that this dog is safe, has never bitten anyone. And I appreciate that some people have only had an experience of security dogs or aggressive dogs. Mm. And so it takes a little bit of work to get your head around that this is a, a peaceful, soothing, strengthening dog. That um, So we're using our senses, our eyes, our um, noses. We can smell. He's had a beautiful oatmeal shampoo bath. <laughs> our, our... I was going to say sometimes we don't want to smell dogs. <laughs> correct, correct. Let me tell you, I'm hearing that. And and our ears. And if it's appropriate, would you like to hear Rafa sing a let's little bit? Let's go for it. I yeah, mean, he looks very relaxed. He is very relaxed. He's sleeping. I've but... heard Rafa yeah. sing before, so and, um, this could be interesting yeah. having and, a singing dog on a podcast. Yeah, and touch. And if it doesn't sound any good, you can always <laughs> edit it out. Okay. And the only thing we probably don't want to do with a dog is taste. But we've got dark chocolate for that. Haven't we? Yeah, okay. absolutely. But we wouldn't give the dog chocolate. No. Okay, so... All right, he's, he's sitting up, he's so he looks like he's ready. And he's licking his lips, and I'm rubbing his chest, and he's going to start with a, with a um, with a, probably a yawn, and that gets him in the mood. Okay, it could get a little bit loud. Okay, so... blows people's minds I know because he puts back his head and his neck and he loves it and I have checked with the vet and um, he's very happy doing it because if, <laughs> if, if it was stressing him yeah. uh, I wouldn't do it yeah and you I, can tell and it seems like a bonding moment between yeah, the two yeah, of you and actually. I don't do it too much there's an awful lot of trust it's an enormous amount of trust with Rafa and we and it goes both ways. It's mutually beneficial. And I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> no, that's so cute. It's so and, funny. And just on his well-being, there have been days where 
I've wanted to take him to work and he has shied away from his harness and he's walked away and you know what I've said to myself Rafa you're telling me something you don't want this today and you know what I've respected that yeah for sure and I was lucky enough to go to I was going to an IPA International Post-Psych Association World Congress in Montreal and I went to Zoo Therapy Quebec and I was amazed to see that the dogs there, they live with families, they get dropped off in the morning, there's a welfare person who checks the dogs to see if they're good to go, mm-hmm. and one of their philosophies was, if your employment is linked to the dog and your remuneration, mm. even if the dog isn't up to it, you might feel compelled to take the dog with yeah. you. So that's why they had the welfare guy there, yep. checking to see if the dogs were good to go, mm. and it was very interesting to see their work, and, and so... It's wonderful to see what people are doing overseas as well. Mm. Very yeah, you've said you're a bit of a geek in this space, which I'm just reusing <laughs> your word. I quite <laughs> like it. Um, but I'm curious because I've noticed as well, like I've been working in the space for like 13, 14 years now as well. Mm. And I feel I can see the growing work with, yes. with animals, like mm. the animal assisted therapy or the dogs in schools mm. or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, is there a growing body of research that you're aware of and a lot more information coming out about the benefits and things like that too like are you aware of some of the research going on there is there is and i'm actually happy to share because i've got permission to i was privileged to be there's a book coming out by a researcher in wales in the uk um all about therapy dogs in schools and i'm so excited megan because it's in hard copy soft copy and e-copy and global distribution and it all started because Helen Lewis is her name. She put it on social media. Can can anyone help me with her to distribute her survey link on therapy dogs in schools? So I helped her. And then fast forward, I did a thing for Australian Education Union Victorian chapter for school principals and leaders on therapy dogs in the classroom. And I invited Dr. Tiffany Howe from La Trobe Uni to come along. And with Helen's permission... And she got up at two or three in the morning in Wales to be on the podcast. Um, she, we use her research. So I think what we're realising more and more is it's so important for the dogs to be trained. Mm. Not just any dog can do this. Yeah. We've really got to look after the dog's well-being because people are well-intentioned. But imagine this. Even if the dog is in the principal's office, can you imagine the dog seeing dysregulated child after dysregulated child and then mm. maybe a dysregulated teacher and then maybe a um, dysregulated parent? Yeah, for sure. And maybe the principal and no judgment, maybe they're feeling dysregulated. Mm. How's the dog going to feel after all that? Yeah. So I, I draw on um, Bessel van der Kolk's work here. And can I share a true story with you? It's mm. a bit of a funny story, so it might be time for that. So... I went to an all-girls school, and we know that girls can't, aren't always very kind. And I remember <laughs> singing out loud in Year 7 assembly, yeah. and they looked at me and squiggled up their faces and said, you can't sing, and I stopped singing. Mm. How sad is that? And yeah. I didn't sing for over 20 years. Mm. And then I decided, because I had a dear friend who was very sick, and I, it just came out, I said, I'll sing for you. So I started singing lessons. And what do you know? I sang Girl from Ipanema dressed as Nigella Lawson, as I said, (laughs) at my 50th birthday. Anyway, a few years later, working in the trauma space, 
I sang Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's version of Shallow for, <laughs> for, from A Star Is Born, right? I sang it for a beautiful indigenous boy and he loved it. He had Flash on one side, Raffa on the other. <laughs> he loved it. And then I got on a bit of a roll, maybe overplaying my zest, Megan. Anyway, I sang it for the students at the University of Melbourne. They put on their torchlights and they're waving their phones while I sang it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. And let me tell you, I'm not Lady Gaga. Okay, but I try. I give things a crack. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Anyway, fast forward, I decided to ring it, uh, sing it for a family member who shall remain nameless, but I think you have some idea. Anyway, they sat there, and they looked at me, and I said, come on, something nice. And they said, I think you need to sing with someone else. <laughs> Your voice isn't strong enough. <laughs> and I will tell you, I was gutted. I was triggered. Mm. And I found it so hurtful. But do you know what I did? Instead of driving 30 minutes home with that coursing through my body, I got into my midlife crisis sports car. (laughs) Okay, it's a red red convertible, cliched Audi. I will admit, yes, okay, it's cliched. It's a red convertible and I own that, right? So I drove two minutes away, got out of the car, walked around the car, arms above my head, breathing slow, deep breaths, because I realised that don't drive 30 minutes in the car when you're triggered like mm, that. For sure. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Bessel van der Kolk or someone, you know, like a horse. If they're triggered, they'll run to a safe space, they'll look around, make sure it's safe, and shake it off, discharge yeah. the energy. Yeah. And do you know what? totally different outcome mm. physiologically yeah for sure so so my learning from that is i don't sing for that person anymore i love that person however it doesn't serve me to sing for yeah, that person not, and yeah. that is okay yeah absolutely but mm. i love that you use some strategies as well just to de-escalate yes. yourself too because mm. that's a huge thing that's been coming up in this podcast so yes. far as well yes just around that importance of knowing how to regulate yourself yes too. And, yeah. and and also, I do want to be courageous in the world. I do want to ask questions of Nigella Lawson in front of 2,000 people and own it because working with these young people, they need our help. They need resources. They need potent resources. Mm-hmm. And also one of my big things for teacher well-being and everyone's well-being is so many people have dogs at home but don't need to be therapy dogs, don't need to be well-being dogs, just a dog or even a cat. But I don't yeah. know that much about cats. So... What I would encourage them to do is to use the practice of savouring mm. to dial up all of their senses. Look at the dog at rest. Flash got me through two master's degrees and our son's just finished a PhD. And that good will, that five-minute yoga that I do with my husband every morning, five-minute trauma yoga, I can give you the link. The dogs come and sit on his chest and, and they love it too. Looking at the dogs at play, Mm. just really zeroing in on the soft touch, the warmth, the weight. And if the dog's too big to sit on your lap, just get its legs to put its paws on your legs. You probably do that anyway. It's so important for our well-being so we can go out and do the difficult stuff in the world. Yeah, So we can be courageous, but we will 
get dysregulated if we're going to be working in this space. Yeah. And and these are really potent things that can give us pleasure. And and we don't have to give the dog loads of high calorie treats because Flash and Rafa eats carrot. Healthy. And if someone tries to give them treats, they say, "Oh, he's on a special diet." Thank you. That's very kind. Very. Yeah, I'm sure they get offered all the time as well. Because we don't become a trap. Yeah, and we don't want to offend people, but we want to keep our dogs and ourselves healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Roz, we've actually um coming close to the end of our time. Wow. And what we do to Start to close off is I've got mm. five questions that I like to ask um, each each guest. Wow. Um, and what I would advise you to do is just go with your gut answer. Mm. Um, so try not to overthink your answer too much. Go with your gut um, and say whatever you like, really. <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready if I give you five um, quick questions? Yes. Awesome. Um, so question one is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Mm, interesting. It changed around all the time. Mm. Um, I, I think... I wanted to make people laugh. I wanted to be a performer, actually. I wanted to be on the stage. Amazing. And, and I think I can use my humour and, and do a bit of that. But I'm not allowed yep. to be a comedian because that, that's too high stakes. Oh, I would have loved to have like seen you give that a go. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is what are your two top values? You can only choose two. Uh, kindness. Yep. Is friendship a value? I can't it can remember. absolutely yeah, be. Yeah, we can, yeah. we can make anything a value. Yeah, but yeah, kindness yeah. and friendship, I kindness, like that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Now, this one's a bit tricky, and this one seems to be stumping people when I ask this one. Mm. But, and this is playing to some of my interests, yes. if you were going to have a boxing fight, what would your walkout song be? So the song that plays while you're walking out towards the ring. Um, well, um, we are the champions, my friend. Oh, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. you were the quickest person to answer so wow, far. Wow. Everyone else has gotten really stressed yeah. trying to sort that one out. Uh, number four, if you could collaborate with anyone in your work, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, I have a wonderful, wonderful boss. She's Irish and she's a big boss now, but she was my boss when I first started and her name's Bruna Walsh and she's a gun and she is amazing. I love that because you've already had a chance to collaborate. So that's yeah. amazing. So you've yeah. got to kind of live that one out. Mm -hmm. um, and the fifth question, the last one, is if you could make a recommendation as the key to healing, what would mm -hmm. it be? So for everyone to sort of take that step. Really savour the dogs in your life, whether you own them or whether their dogs belong to family and friends and really really dive, do a deep dive into the neurobiological benefits mm, yep some of those things you were talking yep, about earlier yep yep because it will, will really the... benefit your well-being yep. yeah yep mm. sounds amazing so Ros, if people want to find you they want to get into this work they want to book you for some of the things you've talked about how mm. can they find you sure Okay, so probably best my website, Live With Zest, so L-I-V-E-W-I-T-H-Z-E-S-T dot com dot A-U. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much, Mia. No it's problem. been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been really fun, and I don't know if I'll ever get a dog singing on my podcasts again, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for the unique experience as my well. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, wonderful listeners, for making it right to the end of the podcast. We appreciate you. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe, give us a rating. We'll be dropping a new episode roughly once per fortnight, so you can stay tuned for the next one. Thank you.